to the Girl Tries Life podcast. My name is Victoria Smith and I am your host. So the Girl Tries Life podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is powered by ATB. Now, if you care at all about charitable giving, why wouldn't you want to have your donation matched by 15%? That is something that ATB Cares does. So if you're interested at all in really up-leveling a donation that you're already making because you're an awesome human being, go to atbcares.com. Now, today's episode, your interview guest is me. <laughs> so a little bit strange, I know, but you know, one of the things I, I had been thinking about for a while is that there's there's something to be said for knowing a little bit more about the person that's normally doing the interview. So people that have read my blog, they know a lot more than most, but for those who are podcast only listeners, maybe you don't know me so well and I throw in these little bits about my, you know, history with mental health or traveling or this, that and the other. And I thought there might be something to, to giving you a little bit more of my backstory. So thankfully, I didn't have to be just a talking head for this interview, and my good friend and fellow podcaster from the Alberta Podcast Network, Vanda, she's from the Tight Ends Podcast, she agreed to interview me, and we had an absolute blast, we laughed a ton, and it's really more chat than anything else. She's going to introduce a little bit about her podcast at the beginning of the episode, so you'll hear about that. So in the interview, we talk about my travels, uh, experience that I've had with mental illness, how I met my husband, and <laughs> one of the many hilarious medical mishaps we had, this one particularly on our honeymoon, challenges that I've had with motherhood, and my experience learning to become a health and a life coach. So we kind of touch on everything, but really, it's a fun conversation. We have a good time with it, and you'll get to know just a little bit more about the person who you listen to if you are a subscriber to the podcast. So show notes for today can be found at girltrieslife.com forward slash podcast forward slash 54. Now I do also mention some books that I love, books that you can find on Audible because if you are a busy parent or <laughs> busy person in general, the way I am, I highly recommend Audible. So you can go to audibletrial.com forward slash girl tries life and you will get your first book for free. And the book that I recommend at the end of this podcast is called Girl Wash Your Face. So you should pick that up for free if you are not already an Audible member. Now, without further ado, let's head over to the interview. So welcome to the Girl Tries Life podcast. We're doing something a little bit different today. My friend Vanda from the Tight Ends podcast is actually going to be interviewing me. So we're kind of switching things up a little bit, but Vanda, I'm hoping you could start by telling us a little bit about the Tight Ends podcast. All right. So Tight Ends podcast is for the pretty casual sports fans. So don't think you have to know a bunch of stuff and sports stats and things like that. Our tagline is a sports podcast for the rest of us. And we don't know much about football, but we know a tight end when we see one. So come on over. It's really fun. And we have laughs and yeah, we give you recipes for dips and things. It's good. Yeah. You know way more about sports than you let on. As I, I came to realize when I was on your episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have been married to a NFL, I, I don't want to say fanatic, but he's a huge football fan. Yeah. And so, yes, I have been exposed to it by marriage. My dad is a huge CFL fan. So yep. I grew up watching Canadian football with my dad. Now NFL with my husband. We went to the Pro Bowl for our 10th wedding anniversary. So that's a pretty awesome wife. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Did you get like your own 10th anniversary celebration? We got We got two weeks in Hawaii. Okay. I only had to spend one day at a football game. Oh, uh, that's, that's fair. Marital compromise at its best. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and then when you start to get to kind of know things and kind of cheer for your team, and I love to tease my husband about how terrible his team is, the Dallas Cowboys, and it's uh, it's fun. So yeah, check us out titans podcast and it's, it's a lot of fun it is fun yeah, yeah you have a fun. lot of fun in it and yeah the half t- she always does a halftime show so that's not necessarily sports related yeah we do anything not super sports we interview interesting people i interviewed um, tamara robertson who is a an engineer in the u.s she was on mythbusters the tv oh. show yeah and she went down to puerto rico to do some relief efforts down there with oh wow engineers without borders cool so we don't just cover sports. We cover all kinds of cool things. Didn't you also have an astronaut in training? Yeah. We have astronaut Abby. We had her on yeah. from the Mars Generation. She has um, a documentary on Netflix yeah. called Mars Generation. And uh, yeah, so we cover more than sports. Yeah. We, we love to talk to women that are doing cool things, kind of like you yeah. do. <laughs> and yeah, so yeah, it's a, it's a variety of things. You're not just going to hear stats and things because I don't know stats about things. I just know who's yeah. what, what players are dating celebrities. Yeah. <laughs> And whether they went to Coachella or not. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We <laughs> legit just talked about uh, the Scott Moore Tessa Virtue. Are they, aren't they romance? Mm-hmm. Which fills my bucket of happiness for the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Vand is actually going to be asking me questions about my life, which is uh, I'm excited and nervous about what comes up. So, well, we work together. So we've known each other a few years. Yes. And so it was really cool that. I joined the Alberta Podcast Network. Yeah. And then, you know, Karen, who runs the Alberta Podcast Network, said to me, do you know Victoria Smith? She's got a podcast. And we're thinking about her for the network. So so you're the reason I'm part of the network? I just want to say <laughs> I really did. I was a good reference for you. I appreciate. I said yeah. she's great. And you cover really cool, interesting things that I think need to be talked about. And it's not like it's not like a work listening to your podcast. It's not like, you know, it's things we need to talk about. But yeah. you do it in a great way. And I learn a lot. So, oh, thanks. Yes. All right. So, I think that your listeners probably want to know how you started sort of your creative outlet. So, I knew about your blog. Obviously, mm-hmm. I know about your podcast. I just learned another of your creative outlets. <laughs> so, what led you to this and have you always done this? So, I kind of grew up, my mom was a writer is a writer and so I grew up with this like passion for writing my brother's a writing a writer he's a published writer and I have this passion for a creative outlet and then I did the whole didn't know what I wanted to do in school thing and so listened to my parents (laughs) which was a poor life choice (laughs) (laughs) yeah poli sci oh wow was what they recommended and at the time I was kind of like I want to change the world yes but then you quickly realize that everyone that's in poli sci wants to be a politician. And I'm like, no, 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 this is not for me. Somehow ended up doing a marketing degree and long story short, ended up with a great internship at an oil and gas company after I graduated university. Really great in terms of like money, experience, all that kind of stuff. But very quickly, I ended up working 60 hour weeks. And my husband lived overseas and I was dealing with depression and all that kind of stuff. And I was just so spent. Yeah. And so that's kind of when I actually started writing my first book. And you would think like, you know, oh, you've, you've barely got any free time. Yes. 
but it's the thing that made me feel so good. Yeah. It made me feel so good. And it just, it went to show me how important it is to balance out the buckets in your life. And that creativity is something I absolutely have to have in my life. And that like, I will forego TV and Netflix and all those other things in order to have time to blog or to podcast or to write. Depends what I'm prioritizing at what point in my life. But uh, creativity is so key for me to be a happy human being. I agree. I've always needed it too. Yeah. It's, um, it's, you have sort of the day-to-day things of your life that kind of keep your life going, which is a job. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, those little peaks of, of joy, you need to find it where you can. And if you can combine that with your job, awesome. Yes. But we can't, like, realistically, we're not all going to be able to do that. Exactly. So I, um, I, I'd already, you know, I've known you for a while. And then I, I was looking you up when I was trying to find, I think, your blog and your podcast and things. And I saw that you did a speech, which is recorded on video you know that right yeah I do (laughs) you did a speech on the depression that you suffered and it was while you were basically on like a dream trip I mean yeah depression like I know you know lasts more than just sort of for me it's a chronic it's a chronic depression but um you had experienced it on your dream trip so why did you you know why did you give this speech how did you feel like about opening yourself up to be that vulnerable and can you just tell us a bit about it maybe tell people where they can find it because it's fabulous yeah uh i'll link to it in the show notes because i don't exactly remember where you can find it on the pachakacha <laughs> page so pachakacha first is a um it happens all over the world but it's these speeches that people do that are like 20 slides for 20 seconds each so yeah. you've got a limited time frame so it's six minutes and 40 seconds it's like a mini mini ted talk yeah. And they give you a theme to work around. And I, someone I knew had been and had sort of suggested me and I was interested in sort of like trying out my public speaking skills a little bit. And I thought, what am I going to talk about? And the theme was open season. And so you could go anywhere with that topic. And I often come back to my experiences with depression. I... Like that that time I was talking about when I was doing like 60-hour weeks and stuff. Yeah. I was at a very, very low point. Yeah. And that's the first time I really recognized I was dealing with depression. And then things got better. Like through counseling and medication and I changed things at work and my husband finally arrived in Canada. Mm-hmm. So I kind of thought, I'm good. I'm cured. Boom. And my husband and I decided to go on this three-month backpacking trip through Southeast Asia and we wanted specifically three months because we'd been apart for three years so it was like a month for every year we'd been apart and like to be able to reconnect in that way and do something like it was on our pre-baby bucket list like have this epic adventure and I think we were like two weeks into it in Thailand experiencing all this like incredible culture delicious food temples uh sights and sounds and like it trip of a lifetime yeah and I started to feel that creeping depression and I thought how the frig is this happening to me and how is it happening on the trip of a lifetime like it doesn't make any sense and so I actually googled like how to travel with depression (laughs) (laughs) because <laughs> like, I didn't know what to do yes. and I wasn't about to go to like a Thai doctor like because I'm sure they would well I don't know when my husband had to go to a Thai doctor yeah. they said that like his heat stroke was a cold oh. so I was just like I don't know what their feelings are on mental health but I was like I'm not having a mental health 
chat with a complete stranger. You yes, know? yes. And so it went to Google instead. <laughs> and Google told me people's reactions was either A, don't travel. It's not a good time to do that. Or B, take your medication. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had felt like I was doing a lot better and hadn't been on medication for six months. So I yeah. did not have any medication with me. And that wasn't an option. And so I, we got through the trip, uh, essentially. And I, I basically had to look at self-care in a totally different way. You know, I had to accept that there were going to be dark days. And that was okay, even though I was on this trip of a lifetime. I had to take a little bit better care of my diet. Because when you're on, you know, when you're traveling, you want to try everything and do all the things. But you also have to, like, I think if you're dealing with depression, you have to keep certain nutrients, like, stable. And, and watch sugar and yeah. stuff like that because you can crash and watch. Yeah, yeah absolutely. exactly. Yeah. I had to like monitor my caffeine intake because like in Thailand, <laughs> I, oh, I still had caffeine. I just had to like As I'm drinking my vanilla it. latte. Yeah. yeah. No, because in Thailand, like, so you know how they have those booze buckets. They also have iced coffee buckets, which when I arrived, I was like, ah, happy wow. place. Oh, man. It was amazing. But I had to like limit it. <laughs> yeah. You know, make sure I got sleep. And I had to talk to my husband about it. Because he was my only support system on the road. So we yeah. had to have a conversation about it. And then at the end of that trip, I decided to blog about my experience with depression. I had been keeping this travel blog. I'd had this blog for a year. And I wanted to share my experience because everything I had found on Google was don't do it or take medication. I was like, this can be done. I wanted people to know that like it's not impossible. And I remember my dad saying, don't do it. Don't post it. Because my coworkers didn't know. Mm-hmm. Most people in my life didn't know. And he thought it would affect how people thought about me. He thought it would affect, and I mean, rightly so. Like, he wasn't doing this in a malicious way. But, no, like, no, he worried course. that, you know, I wouldn't get promotions or people would think I was weak or all these kinds of things. And so I really wanted to give this talk to show that, like, depression doesn't look just one way. Like, people have this impression of depression that it's, like, one flew over the cuckoo's nest or, like, the Eeyores of the world or whatever. And I was, like, I would say most people didn't know I was dealing with depression because I am really good at putting on a happy face. So that, for me, is the the part that makes me so tired and exhausted from depression Mm. is putting on the mask every day. Yeah. Because you have to put that best foot forward. And people have said to me, I can't believe you suffer depression. You're so perky. Yeah. Word's been used to describe me. And I said, when I'm at my worst, you don't see me. Yeah. Because I'm not coming out yeah. in public. And I'm 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 getting help, but I'm getting it outside yeah. of I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go to work like that, for yeah. example. Yeah, so it was important for me to do this talk and to I mean before before there was the me too moment <laughs> movement, like people mm-hmm. were talking about the words me too like when you can connect with what someone's saying like the most powerful words in the English language are me too yeah and so for people to feel that like depression doesn't have to it I a hundred percent get there are scales and levels and all that yep. kind of stuff I've been in postpartum depression where I would never have taken on a trip like that I would never yep. have done anything like that but that there are times when you can still do things. You are. You can still be capable. You can still work a job or do all of the, these things, depending on where you're at. But that depression is not one size fits all, and that I wanted to call open season on people's preconceptions of what depression yep. was or wasn't, because I just felt people had such 
rigid stereotypes of it. Absolutely. And basically that that person is no longer can be productive. Yeah. And that is so false because depression can give you a level of empathy. Yeah. And a level of insight into things. Mm -hmm. And, and, and when you get, when you've lived with depression a long time and if you've managed it, you can see the upside to it, which I know sounds crazy, Mm -hmm. but I, I know that my having dealt with depression, being able to help others and understand others with it is a positive for me. Yeah. You know, so. And I'm not saying this is a good thing, but like at all, but when I was at my worst mentally is when I performed the best at work. Shockingly, we worked at the same place and yeah. they rank you. Yeah. Yes. And yes. I was ranked the highest you could be ranked yes. the year that I was the most unhappy with my life. Yes. And this goes back to what we talked about in, that we just talked about on my podcast episode, because we're doing a bit of a crossover here, Yeah, is is define success for yourself. Because in a lot of people, that would mean success for you, but yeah. you you wouldn't go back to that, I'm guessing, no. time in your life. No. Another one of our, our, of our colleagues said, um, if you, like, she had also had a period where she had ranked a one, like the highest you could mm-hmm. be. And she's mm-hmm. like, if you're a one at work, that means you are performing less in other areas of your life yeah and wouldn't it actually be better to be a two in all areas of your life yeah than to be a one in one and like be a three in others or whatever so I thought that was a really interesting observation and and it is true you kind of you can only have so much to put in each bucket yeah and so which which bucket is getting you know and what are your values right exactly yeah yeah absolutely so you've got the blog you're writing books and why the podcast then too? Yeah, I, a couple things. I had been, I had interviewed a couple people who I thought were absolutely fascinating. I'd interviewed a Lonely Planet photographer. I love travel. So I thought that was a super cool job to have. And then I'd also interviewed Diana Gabaldon, who write, wrote the Outlander series, okay, which yeah. is now a TV series yes. and like all that kind of stuff. And painstakingly transcribed these interviews and everything. And nobody read them. Uh, because people don't read interviews anymore (laughs) you know right like you used to read them and like and you might still read them in like Vanity Fair or whatever but like Quincy Jones everyone read yeah yeah. but like I'm not Vanity Fair (laughs) you know I was the girl tries that blog and so I thought that's just such a shame and I, I have this curiosity about different jobs and careers and people who I find fascinating and so I just wanted to be able to honestly interview them and ask the questions I would want to know the answers to and so I kind of started the podcast as an experiment I was like we'll see where this goes I really hope it goes well and I've been able to interview some people that I find truly truly fascinating so it's been I'm really enjoying the process as well. Like you can have so much more personality come across with your voice than I'm not going to say than in writing, but then in a written interview, I think, because I think in fiction and all that, you can have so much personality come across, but yeah, I love it. I love it. And it's been great being part of the Alberta podcast network with you and like meeting other podcasters is really cool. Yes. And I've, Exactly. And I've listened to other podcasts that I wouldn't necessarily, like I would skim past it, but because yeah. they're part of the network, I'm like, oh, I'm probably going to meet them at an event. Yeah. So you want to listen and kind of see what they're all about. And uh, and that's great. I mean, yours I would have listened to anyway, because oh, we thanks. know each other. <laughs> you're talking to fascinating women and things like that. All right. So you 
you have to kind of tell the story about how you met your husband and, and how yeah. that all came about because that sounds like uh, a romance novel on its, itself. <laughs> it could be its own podcast for sure. And so, and then maybe feed into that the fact that you both love to travel. Yeah. So there's this island on the west coast of Scotland called the Isle of Arran. My grandmother lived there. Sorry, my cat is attacking Vanda. He is just like, love me, oh, love well, me. Well, exactly. He loves me. He's not yeah. attacking. He's attacking But he's attacking you with his fur. But yeah, this island on the West Coast where my grandmother had lived, I had actually done a semester of high school there. And I've worked there now a total of three times between like graduating high school and since because I just there's this hotel on the island where they uh, provide staff accommodation and they have staff from all over the world so when I didn't know what I wanted to do after high school I ended up working there for almost two years and it was such a real like such a cool experience and then a good four years after that I was doing a exchange in university to northern France and that was starting in September. So I thought the summer before I was like, well, I'll just make a bit of money in like British pounds so I can take that money over to Europe. It'll translate better. And so I went back to the island that I worked on and met this guy named David, who Ooh. was actually my supervisor. Oh, um, <laughs> no. But it was really funny at the time because like the w I he so did not display any interest in me. He was one of those kept it secret people. But I remember like it was such a windy day and I was trying to get this parasol down from like out on the balcony and like everyone else was watching me suffer with it, like with the wind and battling it. But David came to help me, came to my rescue. Oh. And uh, then he was away. He, not long after that, he went away to his sister's wedding where, thank you very much, he took another woman oh. to the wedding. Um, well, that was all prearranged, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But one of my coworkers was like, he kind of likes you. And I was like, excuse me? Like, this show no interest whatsoever. So <laughs> this is where I completely embarrassed David, but I love it. Because he doesn't listen to the podcast, so it's fine. <laughs> mine doesn't listen to mine either. Mine yeah, doesn't yeah. listen to mine either. No. I know. I'm like, you help me start this up on the technology side. He's yeah. like, yeah, yeah. He listens to, like, murder podcasts, which maybe should be a sign that, like... <laughs> Y'all, if I get murdered, oh, look got, at my I've husband first. I've got a great first. one for him. So yeah. Oh, there you go. After, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I invited him and a few people back to like my very large room in the staff accommodation to like have some drinks and stuff like that. And I didn't realize how quickly it happened because he was just quietly drinking. He got smashed. Oh. Like absolutely smashed. But he said it, he later said it was because he was so nervous. Um and like needed to be walked home because I was like, he will fall into a ditch and like, this is not good. And we yes. lived in different staff accommodations. Yes. So I was like, I am not drunk. I will walk him back. Um, and I was like, I will also mine him for information because he will never remember this the next right. day. <laughs> right. So we're walking home and God, I make it sound like it was so romantic. <laughs> but I was like, I hear you might like me. And he's like, yeah, well, you're great. And I'm like, oh, interesting. So he really does like me. And then we went on a date. <laughs> I make wow. it sound like, yeah, I make it sound uh, super romantic. This I is not how it plays out in my romance novels, by the <laughs> way. This scene is this scene is a lot more romantic. Yeah, but he it was, he did the right thing because he wasn't showing favoritism. He wasn't overtly sort of like yep. yeah coming on to you because that would have been bad, especially if you weren't interested. Yeah, 
would have been terrible. Yeah. But it was the kind of place where everyone dated everyone and Oh, okay. Yeah. But I so I didn't actually expect it was gonna last because I'd worked there before and seen people like cycle through. Wait, does he have an accent? Oh yeah, he's Scottish. <gasps> no. Yeah. And he shockingly, he was like, I find your accent attractive. I'm like you find the Canadian accent? Really? You find this attractive? I, right? He was like, <laughs> I well, feel like ours is so nasal. I believe he said it was like exotic. And I'm like, you mm. have challenges. That's adorable. That's adorable. Yeah. And so it's funny because I have been such a traveler before then. Like I had done a around the world backpacking trip when I was 21. And David's like the extent of his traveling had been Spain. Because mm-hmm. this is what British people do. They can go for the weekend. Everything yeah. is so close. And oh, cheap. yeah, yeah. But yeah. this is like, we're talking like Little Britain in Spain. Like oh, British right. bars, British music, yes, like, right. but you've got the sunshine. Yes. Yeah. So we're talking that. <laughs> Heaven forbid they eat a grain of rice. No, it's no, like, no, no, no. where no, are no. the potatoes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's ridiculous. Uh, and then he had also gone to like Norway, like on like little, like three day cruises with his parents and then to Northern Ireland. So his, his travel wasn't super extensive. But then when I was in France and we were doing long distance, like we met up in Germany and then he came to Paris and then um, all that kind of stuff. And so we did really enjoy traveling together. And we went to Mexico um, for our honeymoon. Really? (laughs) I have to laugh because Scottish people are not known for their tans. No. No. They think they can tan. Tell, like he's got to be wearing at least the 50 sunblock at least yeah but if you don't reapply you have to reapply yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so i ha- am of scottish descent i understand my limitations with the sun i said i i just go to book the trip on online yeah. and i get a burn yeah just booking the trip literally because i'm right? also extremely lily white yes. yeah so it's day one i go out in the sun for like 20 minutes and then i'm like this is my limit today i am back in the shade David is like, I'm in the sunshine. And like, and then later that day, he didn't put any sunscreen on his feet. Mm. And his feet start to blister. And oh. as gross as this sound, the blister opened. And it let in this tropical disease. Which, like, the second week of our honeymoon, we were supposed to be, we were back in Canada. We were supposed to be driving to Kelowna. At this point, we're still long distance. Right. So we only have two weeks together before another three, four months apart. Oh, because you got married, but he's still living in, in Scotland. Scotland and yeah, you're yeah, yeah. In Canada. Yeah, oh, we had to do the wow. whole applying for immigration yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So we, um, I looked at that foot and it was disgusting. And I was like, I am not driving anywhere until we know what this is. And we go to the hospital and I've never seen doctors more excited because it was exotic. And it was like, one of the doctors said, oh, we never see this. And I'm like, that's not good. Yes. (laughs) We have no idea what this is at all. Oh, no. They knew what it was, but they had never, they were like so excited to see it in person. And they brought everyone in to see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, geez. So that week we had to spend $1,000 a day. Thank God for travel insurance. Everyone get travel insurance. Uh, for him to be at the hospital and morning and night get like pain, like a pain drip yeah. and all that kind of stuff while it flushed out of his system wow. or whatever. Like it was, ridi- so that was the second week of our honeymoon. Wow. <laughs> I was going to say you're already married by then. So it's not like you can now opt out. <laughs> no, 
But I remember him being so mad at me. We had like our first married fight because the doctors were like, you can't like drink with the med- like with mm-hmm. the pain meds and stuff like that. So David gets home that night and like pops a beer and I grab it from him and like pour it down the sink and he was so mad and I'm like, excuse you. Yeah. Like we are not in Kelowna drinking wine yes. because of your sunburnt foot. So yeah. you will listen to me. Oh my goodness. But uh, but he's definitely become more of a traveler. Like Southeast Asia was huge for us. Like that was I don't know how much time you spend with your husband all the time but three months yeah day in day out yeah. is interesting i think <laughs> yeah i think we would be the couple on if we did the amazing race you know mm-hmm. can't like if we did amazing race canada or whatever we'd be the couple that everybody thought were terrible and terrible to each other and yeah. fought but it's because we really are we're very open with each other yeah. and we're very verbal and we're very like deal with us now let's yeah. not let it go so people probably think we fight a lot <laughs> but we really are just yeah get it out don't let it fester but yeah three months is uh we we honestly we could do it and we we have been yeah. married over 20 years now so we're it was rough in the first few weeks because like he got sick and then i had to deal with the depression and all yes. that kind of stuff but then we were able to we found our groove and like we made sure to balance out the trip like that's the thing if you're traveling with a partner like like you're saying Go to the bowl. What was this bowl thing? Pro, pro bowl. Pro yeah. bowl. NFL pro bowl. Yeah. And then have beach time yeah. or whatever. Like you got to balance out each other's interests because David and I do not have a ton of shared interests. Mm. He is very geeky. God oh, love him. Okay. He is building a computer downstairs. Oh, wow. I'm sorry. <laughs> I like, I don't understand it. He just, I don't what. Yeah. He's happy. I'm happy. I podcast, whatever. Because some people think marital compromise means you both need to be happy with the thing you're doing. But sometimes your happiness is just seeing your partner be really yeah. happy and get to do something they really want to do. Yeah. I and then we it, watch yeah. Homeland at night. Yes. And then you have shared things <laughs> yeah. exactly that you watch yeah. together. But we, we went to um, Texas. We went to Austin, Texas. And I surprised my husband with a tour of Cowboys Stadium. So he's a huge Dallas Cowboys yeah. fan. They'd built the new stadium. And just, of course, I wouldn't, touring a stadium, I'd rather go to a museum. Yeah. But I, I just knew he'd love it. And so we drove all the way to Dallas. And just seeing him step on that field, I it's like I saw, like, the 12-year-old yeah. boy who first became Light a Cowboys up. fan. And, like, we got to run on the field. We got to throw passes. And so sometimes that's where you can get the joy from, too, is just seeing yeah. your partner enjoy it. So Oh, yeah, for sure. And I see, like... David showed me this video the other day of another tech geek, like, teaching his kid how to build a computer. And he keeps saying, like, so our son Jack, he's just like, I'm going to build a computer with Jack one day. I'm like, he's two. Yeah. Like, give it some time. He'll still choke on the parts. Yeah. (laughs) 100%. Because I'm like, right now you're not happy when he's pressing your keyboard. You get mad. Yeah. Yeah. The time will you How do you fold in... The life changes. I mean, having a child. Yeah. Uh, getting married is a is a big life change. Having yeah. a child, I think I don't have one, but I think that's a huge life change. Oh yeah. Um, because marriage, you're you're kind of building, bringing a life together with another adult, yeah. but bringing a child in is just, yeah. Yeah. How how do you sort of fold that into everything else you want to do, and how do you not lose the the, the things you want to do to yeah. feed you? I think you have to prioritize those things. And I say that because for the most part, you're putting this child first. Like you are keeping them alive. 
that's your job and they take up so much energy they take up emotional mental physical energy you are sleep deprived and it is so easy to lose yourself and that's why I remember people being like you're still blogging on your mat leave I'm like it's the only thing that makes me feel like me because I don't like it took me a long long time and I'm not even sure I still 100% am there to feel like a parent because like you're handed this script like literally I don't know any parent with their first child that leaves the hospital and goes oh yeah I know what I'm doing no you're like why is anyone letting me leave this building with this child yes I felt that way I just got a puppy right and I was like why are they letting me bring this tiny little thing home yeah and I'm like okay my friends that have kids obviously that must be oh yeah like that first drive home from the hospital you're like and you're going like 20, 25 or like, yeah, like, yeah, 25. Oh yeah. It was ridiculous. <laughs> Slow. And so it took me a long time to feel quasi confident as a parent. And I don't think I'll ever feel confident because there's everything you can do wrong. Uh, and every child needs therapy at some point in their life. I'm just waiting to find out what my child would need therapy for, <laughs> but you need that thing for yourself. Because you lose so much of your free time, right? Like in the evenings, I used to go out with friends and go to the bar. Like the, I make it sound like I'm an alcoholic. Um, <laughs> go out for just like, you know, happy hour drinks yep. with friends. Yep. Or go for a run. Or like my time was my time. My time is not my own anymore. Like I have to, if I, like when, so I'm doing this coaching certificate. And if I, like I have practice clients I have to work with. My husband and I have to schedule that he is home so that he can watch our son so that I can do that. Like you, you basically have to reschedule your life and you have to fit in the things that you care about in those pockets of time. So like when people say they want to write a book and they've got a family, yeah, you have to get up before your kid or you have to do it once they're asleep or when they're napping or whatever. It's a lot more challenging in terms of time, but I'm not willing to not feel like myself right and I think a lot of people I what I the people that I feel for are the people that haven't found the thing that makes them feel like them yeah and so if you're looking to get that from your child I think usually you're going to be disappointed um because your your goal is to raise them to leave you yeah (laughs) right and so if if you and you put of course you put a lot into it but if you put every ounce of yourself into it not only will maybe your relationship suffer mm-hmm. with your spouse but the the child leaves and my puppy will never leave because he'll just <laughs> we're gonna grow old together yeah but uh and so yeah I, I I agree I think that's a wise thing to and to know that you being your full self yeah for the child is the best thing well, and it's funny because I hear a lot of parents say, like, I just don't have time or I feel like if I take time to go to the gym or write the book or whatever, that I'm taking time away from my kid. Yes, but what if you reframed that? And what if spending that few hours a week doing that thing for you makes you a more present parent and a more engaged with your child and happier? Would you rather less time with your child but be more hands-on and engaged or be frazzled and ratty and not the best version of yourself and sometimes they get the opportunity to spend time with other people that yeah they get to learn from outside of you yeah and every little influence they have especially in those young years 
is just is fantastic for them. A hundred percent. And it's, and I think again, especially for women, if they've been uh, at home with their child the first year, that kind of thing. I mean, we have year long maternity leaves in Can- Canada. Mm-hmm. We're lucky, yep. but um, you also need to get used to your partner being in control, like as the parent, right? because the first time, like it was good when I went on my first uh, trip away, like for four days for a writer's conference, because how David parents and how I parent are different. Jack survived. Exactly. They had fun. They exactly. sent me really cute videos and that was good for both Jack and for David to realize like what my life is like, like when I was full time with Jack, right? Yeah. Like I think he appreciated me a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. Uh-huh. All right. So now you move into kind of this new phase of learning to be a health and life coach. Yeah. That's what you're studying. And then sort of to reach out to help others. So I guess maybe I've answered it for you. <laughs> yeah. Why did you get into it? And and how did that come about? Yeah. I thought for a long time um, about did I want to go back to school and do psychology or counseling? And we had talked about this like a little bit on your podcast. Um, but I don't think I want to or have the capability to take on people's dark trauma. Whereas I 100% am the person to be your cheerleader if you want to run a marathon or write a book or start a business or do anything like that. And so I was like, I actually want to learn the skills to do this properly and registered for this uh, health and life coach training. And at first I was like, I really just want to be the life coach, not the health side of things. And then I realized doing this training how much your health plays into your life, right? Like if you're dealing with stress, a lot of that is going to come down to your physical health and what you're eating and how much sleep you're getting and any autoimmune issues or all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, I absolutely adore the Health Coach Institute. And I look forward to at the end of my mat leave kind of starting to do this part time because every time I finish a session with a practice client right now, like I'm on a high and like one of my clients, for example, we thought her issue was stress. And then we're finding out in getting into this program that she's had this desire to start a business on the side for the past five years and told herself she couldn't do it and told herself, what would other people think? And four weeks on from that, she's starting her business (laughs) and she's like, you know, this is, you know, she has this belief in herself now. She actually said to me the other day, she's like, oh, this is happening. Like, I have no doubts that I'm going to start this business now. And I'm like, what a transformation to see in someone in four weeks and like to be a part of that in some small way. Like I do not believe that coaches change people. I think we ask the right questions and you change yourself. You're the one doing all the work. You're the one taking that action, but a good coach can ask the right questions to unlock the right doors. No, absolutely. And I think it it is similar to a a personal trainer, like a fitness trainer because they, they, you're still doing it. You're lifting yeah. the weight, but they're kind of the ones that can say like, yeah, you can do this. Yeah. And if these are the results you want, Hey, tweak this a little bit and yeah. here's what's going to help you get there. But they know yeah. what they need to do. We just, we need that help and that confidence. Well, and, that. and that's the thing about health and life coaching. I think where it's different is that it's about also changing your beliefs in yourself. Because if you truly at your core, do not believe that you're able to achieve that, you're not going to. So it's about asking the right questions to reframe how you think about yourself and what you believe about yourself. And sometimes it's not the right time for something. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So sometimes you have this idea and it really is not the right time. Yeah. But just knowing that what's it going to take for you to get there to to be the right 
absolutely kind of do it. yeah absolutely that's awesome i look forward to hiring you oh thank you because <laughs> <laughs> i'm thinking of all the things you can help me to like unlock oh there you go <laughs> so i listen to your podcast and you ask five questions with every interview yes e. i do and they're really interesting and then i thought i was like these are really good questions <laughs> And, uh, okay, so you've probably thought about this a lot because you ask it every It's weeks. funny, though, because I haven't thought about it a lot for myself. Really? Yeah, no, because I still don't know entirely what I'm going to say right now. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So it's interesting. All right, so you ask, what things or projects get you really fired up? And that's, like, in a good yeah. way. Right now, the thing that's getting me super fired up is the idea of launching this coaching business at the end of my mat leave. So I... It'll be part-time because I still like my day job. And I don't think I have this capability to, to scale it that quickly. And, you know, got to pay a mortgage. Got to pay for two kids yeah. to go to day home. Of course. But, you know, I'm my brain is ticking with, like, the marketing for it. And how am I going to structure it? And what is my program going to look like? And where am I going to go to find clients and the kinds of talks that I'm going to do? So that, like, the idea of starting my own business is getting me super jazzed up. And what's shocking about that is... For years, I have said I never want to be an entrepreneur. My dad was an entrepreneur, and he yeah. failed epically. So I, that was a scarring experience for me as a child. And so I just always thought I wanted someone else to pay my paycheck. But with this, I have this belief that I can make it happen. And so I find myself really excited about it in a way I didn't think I would be about starting a business. That is awesome. Yeah. That is, that is exciting. So what is the most inspiring book that you've read in the past few years? Oh, see, I want to say Brene Brown, but so many of my guests have said Brene Brown. So oh, yeah. I, I am not going to say that one. Yeah. yeah yep. See, the, I read a lot. Oh, you do? Well, audiobooks have changed my life. I read oh, okay. 60 books last year, uh, which for me is absolutely insane. Do you know, there is something about the Shonda Rhimes Year of Yes book that I find really interesting. Um, oh, I haven't read that. No, no. Okay. I know exactly what book I'm going to say right now. Okay. Okay. Again, my favorite lifestyle blogger is named Rachel Hollis. And she just wrote this book called Girl, Wash Your Face. And it's kind of her motivational book. But she talks about all the different lies that she has told herself throughout her life. Like, I need a drink at the end of the day. Or I'll work out tomorrow. Or this, that. Like, it, like it's about 30 different lies that she has told herself over Oh, her wash life. your face at night. To take your makeup off. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why she's, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called Girl, Wash Your Face. I love it. And it's just such um, real advice. Like, it's the kind of book that I wish I could, that I wish I had written. And um, she has it on audiobook as well. So if you oh, want awesome. to I listen to, yeah. yeah. And if you want to hear it from her because she reads it, it is so well written and so inspiring. And I, there's a lot of lessons in there. My bi The biggest lesson I took away from that is that the person we most often quit on is ourselves. Yep. And what if we didn't give ourselves permission to quit quit our own yep. dreams or goals or ambitions? So, yeah, that would be the most inspiring book of the past few years. Okay, I'm going to go pick that up on Audible right away. Perfect. <laughs> All right, uh, share your favorite quote and why it's your favorite. So I have a ton of quotes that I absolutely love. So I'm going to share my favorite quote for the moment, okay. which is also a Rachel Qu Hollis quote. And it's perhaps the hardest thing is having the courage to try. 
And I think that's so true. And I see that with my coaching clients as well. And I think that's also why my blog is called Girl Tries Life because it's, it's taking that step, right? It's, it's saying yes, even though you're terrified, it's giving something new a go, even though you might fail. Yeah. And I think that is so important for us to, to learn that courage doesn't mean you're not scared out of your mind. Now, you know, Yoda says, and your husband might know this, yeah. <laughs> do or do not, there is no try. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know how I agree with that. I don't agree with Yoda either. That's why he's not a lifestyle blogger. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, absolutely. Trying is doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and you can learn a lot from successes. You can learn a lot from things that don't work out so well. Yeah. And and anytime you're learning from something, it's not a mm-hmm. loss. It's yeah, it's a, it's a lesson. Oh, and here comes up here we're coming up on life lessons. So, what is the best life lesson you've learned or life advice you've been given? Do you know? I think one of it wasn't a lesson at the time, and I look back and it was a lesson. When I did that round the world trip that I kind of talked about, I was two hundred and ten pounds. So I wasn't, and I was traveling on my own. So I wasn't your average you know, 18 year old skinny young thing traveling the world. Like I had body issues and confidence issues and all of that kind of stuff. And yet I look back and I'm like, good for me. Good for uh, not letting that get in the way. And like, even though, and it's stupid things, like I didn't want to have pictures taken of myself because I wasn't happy with the way I looked. But at the same time, I was just like, but I'm at outside the Sydney Opera House. Like, why would I not kind of thing? And so I look back and I, that is a lesson to me going forward as well, that even if, even if I'm not at the state I want to be at, still do the thing, still try the thing, still make the effort because what's the worst that can happen? You don't do it. Right. What if you waited to do it when you were perfect? So yeah. you would never do it. Well, and it's like people that say they'll travel when they retire. Yeah. Like, I just think there is no perfect time. If you want to do it, if you have the means to do it, do it. There's no perfect time to have a child. No. Oh, if you God, waited no. for the perfect time, there'd be a lot less children. <laughs> We legit, when we were getting pregnant the second time, we're like, are we ready for a second child? And we're like, mm, I don't think we're ever going to be ready. Like, this is just a, yeah, let's see how this crazy train goes. But you're in young kid mode, so you just stay in that mode. Yeah, I drink Even coffee. Years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so what does it mean to you to live your best life? I think, and I've had other guests that have said this, and I so agree with it. It's, um, it's about being authentic to yourself and I think a lot of people don't know what they don't know what they want they don't know what they care about they don't know who they are they define it by other people so it's taking that time to really get honest with yourself and authentic with yourself about what you care about and what your values are and what a meaningful life is to you because if you are trying to live your life by anyone else's definition of success like we talked about you're going to be miserable yeah. Or you're just not going to be as satisfied as you could be with your life. So I think living your best life is figuring out who you authentically are and giving that a damn old try. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And I, I wrote something because I was thinking about this, yeah. obviously, when I went through the questions. And what I wrote was, 
for me, and it kind of, it, it's exactly what you talk about, but I said being with people who reflect my core values back to me. Yeah. Because who you associate with, um, I've learned this as I get older, is so important to make sure that they're the kind of people that are, there's a reason you're drawn to them. Yeah. And it's probably because they're reflecting something back to you. Yeah. One person, your spouse can't give you everything. No. Because that is, that's way too tall in order. And that's a good, that's a good yeah. way to end your marriage. <laughs> yes. If you expect them to give you everything. And then the other thing I wrote, and my husband and I discovered this, our 10th anniversary trip actually to yeah. Hawaii is we sat at the airport. They have these beautiful gardens in the Honolulu airport. And we just, we were on a bench and I just said to him, we need to find joy in our life. Yeah. And I said, not happiness necessarily, which is like party, 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 party type of thing, but we need to find those core things that bring us joy. And sitting on that bench in that garden in Hawaii, as we were getting ready to go home was just, it was such a quiet yeah. joy. And I think that's, that's such an important thing. I think when we talk about happiness, we've all built it up that we have to reach this pinnacle. Coachella is happiness. Yeah, right? <laughs> but we can't, that can't be our everyday all day long. And there's nothing wrong with joy. Yeah. And uh, literally joy is my middle name. Is it? Yes, it's my mom's name. That's awesome. <laughs> and so whenever that kind of comes up, I always feel like it's a little bit tacky. But uh, joy to me is different than happiness. And I yeah. love happiness. It's great to have those happy moments. Yeah. But joy to me is that string that carries through, even through the down times. Yeah. You still have that joy of what you have and who you've surrounded yourself with. That's for me. Is Have you seen Inside Out? Yes. The Pixar movie? Yes. You need both. Yes. You need exactly. both the sadness and the joy and all the emotions to make a whole person. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this is fantastic. I've enjoyed interviewing you and you're very good at interviewing, but you're also a good interviewee. This was a fun experience. I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm.